You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Wednesday, and in these episodes, Sangram and myself, James Carberry, focus on personal development. We'll share books and other resources that are helping us get a little bit better every single day. And remember, like Sangram always says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go. Sangram here. I got a special announcement for you. I have been part of the Peak community for almost a year now. And here is the thing. Less than 1% of the marketers become CMOs. And you know what's even harder? Staying a CMO without a high caliber peer network that can help you beat the odds. In Peak community, they build a community around you by creating exclusive events and experiences to help you become one person better each week so you can get promoted, have an impact, and do the best work of your life. This episode that you're listening to is an example of the conversations that happen literally every single day in the Peak community. So check out, the link is below. If you want to be part of it, it's only for marketers, so make sure you're not a lurker, but someone who want to have an impact and do the best work of your life. Let's go. All right. Thanks so much, B2B SMX, for having us today. Really excited to talk to you about how to unify sales and marketing as revenue rock stars. My name is Jay Tool. I'm the VP of Sales Development at Demandbase, joined by our VP of Growth Marketing, Brian Finnerty. Hey, everybody. Really good to be here. Looking forward to the session today. Yeah. Why don't we kick it off? So it's funny, when Brian and I were putting together this agenda, we, we started drawing comparisons of uh, like sales and marketing alignment and sales and marketing unification to the movie Step Brothers. Uh, so for those of you who haven't seen it, these, um, these two guys, their, their parents get married, they become stepbrothers. They initially are kind of butting heads. They, they don't think they have shared interests. They're kind of bickering over everything. Then they come together and realize they do have a lot of uh, shared interests and goals. They come together and wow, they notice they become best friends. So that's kind of going to be our, our running theme throughout. But our agenda today is why sales and marketing unification matters, um, the long and winding path to close one deals, um, how we can find that common ground as best friends, and then some tips to help you uh, unify sales and marketing as revenue rock stars. So with that in mind, I'm going to hand it over to Brian on why we care about unification. Great. Thanks, Jay. I have to say I love this topic and talking about it, but why should we care about unification? Well, I've got a couple of very good reasons here. First of all, Marketing Profs came out with a survey recently that said organizations with tightly aligned sales and marketing had a 36% higher custom customer retention rate and a 38% higher sales win rate. So who doesn't want to increase their retention rates and grow their their sales win rates? And and one of the easiest and most obvious ways to do that is to make sure your sales and marketing teams are unified and moving in lockstep together. CSO Insights also had a great stat here that shows companies with dynamic, adaptable sales and marketing processes had an average of 10% more of their salespeople on quota. And again, who doesn't want their sales team on quota, making money for the company and doing very well themselves. So the point here is sales and marketing unification isn't just kumbaya, sit around the fireside and aren't we great? We're so aligned. It's 
it really has a tangible impact on the, the bottom line for your business. I know all three of those metrics are, are near and dear to both Brian and myself. So yeah, those are some great stats. Yeah. And then the next thing I want to just hit on is the path to close one is a long and winding path, right? So one of the things I'm doing here is I'm looking back at our data at Demandbase the last four quarters and just trying to see how many touches on average does it take to get a deal to close one in any given quarter. And I think the results here are pretty interesting. Um, when I've shown this slide elsewhere, I've been asked, hey, Brian, like this is strange. Why are there so many more sales touches than marketing touches? And my answer always is, you know, selling enterprise software in a B2B environment is complex, right? And the human element plays a huge role in that. So as marketers, we love our tools and tech stack that helps us reach, you know, at scale, personalize at scale. Um, and that's still very important. But ultimately, closing, you know, an enterprise deal requires a lot of sales outreach. It's SDRs on the phone emails, it's sending e-gift certificates, you know, it's, it's moving a deal through the final stages, you know, back and forth on contracts and red lines. So what you'll see is towards the end, the lower end of the funnel, as you're moving deals through the funnel, the sales team is getting much more involved and there's multiple touches on any given deal to get it to close one. So in fact, if you look at the numbers here, typically sales has 3x the touches that marketing has on any closed one deal and I think a lot of that is sort of weighted towards, you know, the latter stages of the funnel when the deal is kind of, you're pushing that deal over the line. And ultimately you need the human touch, the human, the human contact to get that deal done. I think it's, it's interesting here too. You know, people are looking for that one great campaign or, you know, that in, in sales, that one great cadence or, or outreach strategy. And it's really a culmination of, efforts over a long period of time, several touches, you know, many people on, on the sales side going in to go in there and actually get a deal done. So these numbers definitely resonate with, you know, what we see in our sales and marketing efforts as well. Um, so this is our, you know, if you've seen Step, Step Brothers, this is the, our, did we just become best friends? That This is our moment. So what we found that we kind of align on. And these are mutual shared goals that you know, Brian and I on a weekly basis are focused on our, our target accounts. How are, we tar how are we engaging with our target accounts and moving them through the funnel? Um, in terms of the buying committee, you know, we know that we, it, we can't just be targeting one or two people in a buying committee. B2B buying committees are eight, 10. In large enterprise deals, you could be dealing with, you know, many more in the 20s or 30s people, you really need to be engaging the whole buying committee and understanding who in that committee is engaging with you. Uh, next is providing extreme value at every step of the funnel. This isn't just capturing their attention and getting them to raise their hand, but at each stage of the funnel, continuing to provide value. Um, you know, you always want to be um, tracking uh, you know, your meetings and demos, but also providing extreme value in each, each of those, um, each of those stages and each of those steps. Um, but understanding how your meetings and demos are moving you into the next stage of the pipeline, uh, which brings us to our next point. And I think this is probably one of the most important things you can do to align sales and marketing only focus on pipeline and revenue and have a shared goal between your teams where that's really 
what you want to be uh, drilling in on. Do you want to have shared accountability towards pipeline and revenue? And then, of course, uh, you know, if you have some extracurriculars like doing karate in the garage or noticing that your favorite shared dinosaur is the Velociraptor, that's only going to help kind of bring you together and unite sales and marketing. Cool. Um, couldn't agree more. Uh, so tips for success to unify your sales and marketing team. We've got six tips we want to share with you here in this presentation. So as Brian mentioned, intent is the new lead. This is very near and dear to me. So let's, let's dive into what we mean by intent. So um, intent is really understanding buying signals. And this can be across either third-party intent or first-party engagement. So if we're looking at third-party intent, these are usually initial buying signals that you know, are content consumption or beginning research where your accounts are starting to uh, research keywords and topics that you care about. So we really like to treat any form of intent from an account like an inbound lead. Um, the different types of intent, and we'll go into this a little bit more in the next slide, but the, the top three that really stand out to me are, are high value keyword interest. And what I think is important about high value keywords is how specific they are to the product or service that you're trying to sell. So an example for demand-based would be, you know, marketing is a keyword, but it's not very specific. B2B marketing would be better. Account-based marketing is very specific and gives me a good indicator that this account is, you know, interested in, in what our products do and is definitely an account that, that I want to kind of keep an eye on. Next would be competitive research. Um, you know, there's nothing worse as a sales rep or a sales manager than learning, you know, one of your target accounts just closed a deal with one of your competitors and you were never even talking to that account. Like that one, that one hurts real bad. So understanding when, you know, your target accounts are researching your, your competitors, that's a good sign of a potential evaluation, but a better sign that you need to start amping up your efforts to get in front of that account as well. And then the, the last important one would be trending intent. So this is a spike in either, you know, a number of keyword topics or a number of people at an account or even, um, you know, a, a kind of a combination of the two in a short period of time where there's a surge of intent, meaning I need to get on top of these accounts immediately, understand what the interest is, and hopefully open up a meeting. Now, as we move to some of the first party engagement signs, I really think these are some of the strongest buying signals um, you can get. These are going to come from your website or from sales and marketing activities. Uh, this could be from your CRM, your sales engagement solution, your marketing automation, or even your own company website. Um, these signals can be used to not only prioritize your accounts, but you can use those insights to be more relevant in your messaging and hopefully get someone to raise their hand and take a meeting with you. So some examples of strong engagement signals, uh, I, one of my favorites is high value pages on your own website. These are usually related to product or services or your solutions. Uh, case study pages is always a favorite. People going into case studies, that's a, that's a very, very strong buying signal. Um, if you have some recent content 
on, on your website that's related to maybe a campaign that you've been doing a big sales and marketing push and you see that they downloaded some content or collateral, great signal that your messaging is working and you should continue down that path. And then lastly, maybe a contact us or, or demo page. They might have filled out the contact us. They might have made it to that page and said, hey, I'm not ready for, for sales and marketing outreach yet. But at least you know they're there. And it's a great indicator that there's some potential interest there. Um, next would be, as we mentioned, are they engaging with the marketing campaigns or are marketing automated emails? Um, this is, these are very important signals that you want to make sure you can track. Um, the next would be, are multiple people engaging? And more importantly, are multiple, more, multiple people from your buying committee engaging, showing a shared interest? This usually means there's at least some level of interest in the topic or more importantly, hopefully an evaluation of your services. Um, and then I think the last one that's important is, are the intent keywords that they're showing on the third party intent aligning with the pages that, that they're viewing. So you can say, yes, the content they're consuming off of our site is very relevant. And now it relates to what they're actually looking at on our site. These are fantastic buying signals and any account doing that should absolutely be prioritized. What we wanna do is understand what our audience interests are that could be both on a personal or a business level and really, put together messaging that's going to engage with them on an individual level. We truly believe that personalization over automating everything is something that you should be doing. So we're not saying you have to personalize everything or you have to automate everything. We're saying find a balance, understand, you know, what your accounts are doing. If you take the tier one, tier two, tier three approach, Reserve your tier ones for only personalized messaging. And then maybe tier two or tier three, you can automate based on some of those keywords or some of the history you've had with your marketing campaigns or CRM. So definitely not, again, saying that you have to do one or the other. Just think about how you want to be engaging with people. And we wanted to pull up this example um, from one of our former SDRs who did such a good job at writing emails like this and engaging with people that she actually recently was promoted to an SDR manager. So what Carmel was able to do is do some background research, understand uh, where this prospect had previously worked, understood that they happened to like, to like bourbon and had had a few posts uh, on their Twitter where we could really leverage this, write a personalized email on their background, even start to tee up what we do in a demo and tying together our solutions value to what we know that they care about and really kind of like humanize the approach and, and make, you know, we're not, you're not just a number to us. We're not automating this email without trying to provide you any personal value. Um, and what we realized was that personalization on this level really, really works. So uh, we pulled together our numbers for Q3 and our cadence emails had an open rate of 35%, which I think is still a really good number. But our reply rates were only 3%. And let's face it, replies are really what get meetings and opportunities and really kind of one of the key metrics that we want to track. Moving to our personalized emails, we saw that the open rate was 61% and the reply rate is, you know, 3x at 10%. I really want to shift more of my team's focus and effort on you know, outreach strategies that are gonna get us replies and get us to our numbers. So 
really want you to think about how you get, how you're going to be balancing your personalized versus cadence approach. Yeah, I love that, Jay. Just how personalized and customized that is. Now, personalization isn't just for um, sales development; it, it's also for marketing. So we personalize over the top on everything. And and this example um, is of a product launch that we did recently around our self-serve advertising, which basically gives marketers control over their ad budget and ad campaigns. So the top, you can see B2B marketers channel your inner control freak. And in the bottom one, it's personalized by account. So what that means is anybody from Adobe who um, visits our website or is driven there from an email campaign or a direct mail campaign, will have a personalized experience on the website, both on the homepage and all of the solution pages and any campaign pages that we're sending them to. And the net impact of that was an 80 plus percent increase in click-through rate on that campaign alone. So um, personalization is not just for the SDR team and their outreach. It really has to layer through everything you do across your entire marketing stack as well. Um, And that's where a platform like Demandbase can help you to implement that level of web personalization so that your click-through rates and your engagement rates can go through the roof as well. Um, So the next is, uh, you know, fostering communication and accountability. Again, have to tie it back to Step Brothers. Prestige Worldwide was successful because they knew what each other's strengths and weaknesses are and knew how to play off them. And that's similar to how sales and marketing teams need to be operating. So uh, as we kick off fostering communication, Brian, do you want to talk a little bit more about uh, the campaign priorities email that your team sends to to our sales team every week? Sure. Yeah. I mean, this is one of my favorite emails. It's it's produced by our demand gen team and it's it's sent out on a weekly cadence on, on Monday morning, very early. And it basically focuses on what are our campaign priorities this week. So you can see that we've surfaced the top three of the week. So what are the three campaigns that we're running that are top of mind for this week? So the life of an SDR is busy, difficult, particularly difficult now. So you really want to give that team focus and say, hey, guys, like we're running multiple campaigns here. We have a big marketing organization. These are the three things that you really should focus on this week. So we've got a free certification. We've got this massive webinar going with B2B SMX. Um, you know, and here's the third thing that you should focus on. So we also go through all of the other campaigns that are running, but like, this is just such a rich email. There's links out to reports and Salesforce, which are basically filtered by SDR. So each person can see how each campaign is impacting them and, you know, which accounts and which buying committee from those accounts are engaging with the campaigns. So really it gives the SDRs a good start to their week. Like I can focus on these three things as part of my follow-up and helps to organize all of that activity into something that's meaningful for each of the, each of the folks on our sales side. Yeah. One of my favorite pieces of enablement around, I, I love that email. It's such a great way to keep us organized and, and on track and make it easy to find what we need to do in any given day or week. The next thing we do is, and I think these are crucially important meetings to have. We know that you know, it is hard to get sales and marketing in the same room, but it is so, so important to do that, to get people on the same page and really moving toward, you know, what should be your shared goals of pipeline and revenue. Um, so at Demandbase, we, uh, we have, you, you see this image of Shark Week. You're like, what is, what is Shark Week? Shark Week is in any given quarter, we pretty much shut down Anything that isn't revolved 
around building pipeline and it truly is the week that drives you know us uh, to get to our numbers to have the pipeline we need to end at our revenue numbers for any given quarter and we actually see like two or three x increases in pipeline for that week or at least opportunity creation so this is one where you know marketing is involved our customer teams are involved and then obviously um, SDRs and sales are just dedicated to prospecting, having meetings, and generating pipeline. Um, similarly, we'll have uh, what we call our funnel working group meeting. It's every Friday. Heads of the departments across sales and marketing, we get together and we talk about how are we, what are we doing this week, this month, this quarter to get us to our shared pipeline and revenue goals. If there are tweaks we need to make along the way, if there are you know, campaign or marketing requests we have to make. This is where it happens. And a lot of, um, you know, where we come together and align our vision on what we need to do to move forward and hit our goals. Brian, anything you'd add on, on the funnel working group or our leadership meetings? Uh, you nailed it there, Jay. I mean, I think it, it's a troubleshooting meeting. So we're looking at, you know, which channels are really outperforming and hitting their pipeline numbers, which needs some help. You know, where should we move investment, move focus? So. It, it's just such an effective meeting and underpinned by the fact that we're all focused on pipeline, right? That is what makes that meeting so effective. We've got one goal um, in increasing pipeline and hitting our targets and everything revolves around that goal. So uh, it, it's much easier to communicate across teams when you have shared goals like that. Absolutely. Yeah. And the next one is not so controversial anymore. I think two or three years ago, you would have got a few question marks on this one, but Hey, like make marketing accountable for revenue. And in parentheses, I always say just like sales. So marketing has evolved so much in the past decade, even. Um, and now I think most marketers are, you know, more than willing and ready to sign up for a pipeline and revenue goals. And, uh, like I said, in my previous slide, Having your sales and marketing teams aligned around those shared goals makes a huge difference. And at Demandbase, we are obsessive about you know, making sure within marketing that we're chasing the same pipeline goal as our sales colleagues and that we're working together to hit those goals. So we break everything down by pipeline, you know, SQLs, actual pipeline itself, our close rates, you know, our deal velocity. We look at all of our metrics in terms of how they generate pipeline and opportunities for the business. So. Um, it's an accountability thing. Uh, you set that goal at the start of the quarter and we all row together to get to, to get to the same destination end of quarter. So let's go, go multi-touch, multi-channel, Brian. Yeah, let's dig into this one. So th this is one I love. So this is an actual deal, a demand-based deal that started in 2018 with a webinar first touch uh, and ended in 2019, a year later, a year and change. Um, with a closed deal. So this is not atypical of your standard B2B uh, enterprise software sale, right? It's multi-level, multi-touch. We had over 36 touch points uh, for this particular deal. We had six different channels involved and I think seven different folks on the buying committee were touched by both sales and marketing throughout this, this particular deal lifecycle. So it's everything from your first touch is a webinar. We've got certification touches kind of mid funnel. We've got field marketing and VIP events, lower funnel as things start to close and move forward. Um, but this is basically the reality of modern sales and marketing. You are having multiple touches over a long period of time to move an account through, um, through the buyer's, buyer's journey and get them to, to the point where they're ready to, 
you know, create an SQL, create a, an opportunity and close that deal. So if your sales and marketing teams are not unified in a complex deal lifecycle like this, you have a prayer. If you don't have a B2B platform that can help you manage the complexity of a deal like this, personalize your outreach at every stage, get the sales team and the marketing team reaching out to the different buying committees in a personalized way at scale, um, it's simply not going to work. So when anyone ever tells you, oh, B2B sales and marketing, this is pretty easy, right? You just close a few deals and you're, you know, every quarter and you're good to go. Um, it's a highly layered, highly complex operation. And unless your sales and marketing teams are in lockstep and unified, you know, this, you're simply not going to get to that deal closed uh, stage at the very end. So, Jay, I don't know if you've anything to add on this one, but for me, this is the reality of, of modern B2B sales and marketing here. Yeah. And I mean, this is just a look at the marketing activities, right? So multi-touch, multi-channel definitely extends to sales. You saw in, in Brian's earlier slide on the number of touches it takes to get a closed one. I mean, you're talking between 60 and 80 touches. Um, that That's a lot. Like I talked to a lot of SDR and SDR leaders and it's like, hey, when do you cut bait and move on? And it's like, how important is that account to you? Um, because you're not, it's not going to be one one campaign or, you know, one cadence of emails, you need to be, you know, not only emailing these accounts, you have to have a calling strategy. you got to get active on social. There are other cool channels you utilize like direct mail and things like that. Those all play such a huge part in not only opportunity creation, but helping accelerate this deal and, you know, move it to, to the closed one stage, which is super, super important. So make it scalable and repeatable. I think this one is is near and dear to me. Um, you know, you you need to build this repeatable process. We have a team um, of SDRs who we're lucky at demand base. We have this great kind of field team that that has been a lot of our successful SDRs. We need to build a process that will not only onboard people fast and get them to productivity quickly, but to make it repeatable. So one of the things we would highly recommend is, is building out a playbook. We actually have this piece of, of content that, that's available, um, but really helping uh, your whole sales team and even you know marketing team understand what's our ICP, what is one of our target accounts and how do we research our target accounts. Um, for the sales enablement super team, it's like, how should SDR sales and marketing all be interacting and what are the different um, you know, actions they take to help create uh, pipeline and turn that into revenue? Uh, we also like to put in best practices. So take what your best reps have been doing over a period of time, put it all together and like create this, um, you know, if you were to think about a cadence, it's like every best step from, from each template or calling strategy that you have, put it together and make one, one really rock star outbound best practice. Um, then have a section in there for, for how you manage, what kind of um, dashboards you build, what kind of reports you look at. So people know kind of what are the important metrics and KPIs they should be focusing on. Um, and then lastly, if there are any other kind of tools that you might want to highlight, how to use those and how to connect those to your sales process. I think those are all very important parts of what should be in a playbook and how you should think about building repeatable processes. 
Okay. And then I think the next one, I'll, I'll take this one, Jay. So measure everything that moves. Again, I think Jay and I have both mentioned at this point that we're incredibly data-driven. So everything we do revolves around data and what you're measuring. So one of the things that's really important to my team is how are our campaigns, our ABM campaigns performing and how are they performing in terms of total pipeline created? How are they performing in terms of opportunity close rates? Um, you know, what are we doing in terms of average deal size? Is that increasing, decreasing from month to month and quarter to quarter? And within the demand-based platform, we're able to slice and dice those um, analytics and show you how your ABM campaigns are performing versus non-ABM, more volume-based approaches. Um, so to me, that's like, that's your ROI that's your ROI hit right there. You know, can you see that your ABM practice is delivering, you know, uh, higher average deal sizes and a better close rate and more pipeline when compared to a control group of non-ABM activity? Um, so measuring the data is such a, such a super important part of everything we do. And we do retrospectives at the end of every quarter to see how each channel has performed, how each team has performed and where we can do better. So. Um, measuring everything that moves throughout the funnel is just a big part of our our DNA at Demandbase and, and something that I highly recommend for sales and marketing teams that want to be successful. Yeah. And as part of that kind of DNA of measuring everything that moves, we we on the SDR and sales side, uh, on the right-hand side image here, this is an example of a, of a one-on-one doc or a weekly performance doc that we would look at where Yes, we do want to understand like the number of new leads from campaigns that came in, but we also want to understand like what are your target accounts doing? Are they showing intent? Um, you know, we take this like high, medium to low intent tier, and we see how many of your high intent accounts did you touch this week, or um, you know, what percentage of your accounts uh, were, were actually touched and how, how might we be, maybe be able to ramp that up the next week? Um, what we also like to do is break that down into how effective our messaging was. So we'll take a look at the number of emails, the number of personalized emails versus cadence emails, and the reply rates in between, similar to the messaging slide, like is your messaging effective? Do you need to be doing more cadence or do you need to, you know, pull it back and be writing some more personalized emails that are going to get more reply rates? You're really going to get a sense of what you need to be doing better having, um, you know, documents like this. Uh, and the same goes for like call attempts and call connects. I think there are a lot of great tools out there today where um, you should be understanding when you can, when you're actually connecting with people. I think, you know, common knowledge before work from home and COVID-19 was, you know, eight to nine in the morning and four to six at night. Those are the best time to reach decision makers because they're not in meetings. They're, you know, at their desk trying to catch up on email, but with kind of analytics and, and what you can look at on all these, these tools based on the time you can actually connect was that you know what we're learning in this this new normal is call connect times are actually when you know it's lunchtime or when kids are taking the nap and you need to understand um, through through things like this when your call rates are going to be the best or your reply rates are and really optimize your activity to the times that get results so again be very data driven measure everything that you can that moves 
So in closing, um, you know, unifying, you want to unify your sales and marketing teams on that shared common ground, which really should be pipeline and revenue. And that should be the goal of every sales marketing team. Um, leveraging intent insights and personalized outreach uh, is proven to get you two to three X improvements and open and reply rates. So highly recommend if you're only doing a, a cadenced approach today, try it out, see what personalization will do for you. Um, next, communication and accountability are absolutely key to staying on the same page and really bringing your sales and marketing teams together on that one shared goal. And then lastly, make sure that you're building repeatable processes uh, and consistently measuring results. And that really is the key to scaling. So on behalf of Brian and myself, really want to thank you for having us today. Uh, we always love to talk uh, sales and marketing unification. So thank you. Great. Thanks, everybody. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.